This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, before we get the show started, Horse Radio Network for the first time has a wide selection of Horse Radio Network merchandise available for the holidays. Hats, saddle pads, masks, clothing, mugs, and so much more, either screen printed or embroidered. Get your orders in now for you or your HRN listening friends. Visit horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner on the homepage today. Happy holidays, everybody. Well, good morning, everybody. It's Endurance Day, and I'm Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December 8th, episode 2575. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday... And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned. And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Endurance Day. It's my first Endurance Day in a couple of months. Good to talk to you again, Karen. Welcome back, Lynn. I know. It's uh, good to be back. I had my own endurance uh, episode. You it did. just wasn't much fun. So, uh, But I'm back feeling better and, and doing well, and I see the endurance world has just gone on without me. <laughs> everybody just well, kept riding. So. Some parts have. <laughs> yeah, some parts some haven't, parts unfortunately, right. but we're trying. <laughs> so uh, we have a bunch of stuff coming up on the show today, as usual. Earl Baxter is a 2002 AERC Hall of Fame rider, has logged 43,000 miles, and he and his horse, I Am Amazing, became Century Club members. We're going to talk to him and also his significant other. Plus, we hear some gift ideas from Distance Depot, National Mileage Leader for 2020, Carrie Lau. Lowry joins us, and Karen has an endurance tip on calculating how far ahead or behind your competition is during your endurance ride. So we're going to talk about all of that on today's show. But first, I wanted to mention for the auditors out there, that's our group of super fans who pay as little as $3 a month to join the party. Uh, we will have, a, I do a monthly kind of uh, auditor Facebook Live where I give them a report on the network and what's going on. It's uh, because they support the network. I feel I owe it to them. And we're going to do that tomorrow night, Wednesday night at 7.30. Joy Hills, who is host of Retired Racehorse Radio and I, are going to hang out with you. And it's mostly just a party and an excuse to drink. But uh, I do give some some uh, insider information about what's coming up on the Horse Radio Network, and it's kind of behind the scenes. So that'll happen tomorrow night, 7.30 in the Auditor Room on Facebook Live. You're going to have to join me for one of those sometime. Yeah, sounds like fun. That'll be a good time. All right, let's go right to your tip today. And because okay. I, I love this, uh, you know, you want to calculate how far, where you are in the competition while you're riding the competition, right? Right, right. And it, it you know, this isn't going to work on every ride, depending on what the terrain is like. 
But it can be important if you're writing competitively or even if you just want to keep your placing in the pack wherever it may be. And so this I'm going to talk about calculating how far ahead or behind your competition is during an endurance ride. And there is a lot of strategy involved in endurance riding because you have to actually kind of be aware of what's going on as far as your competition, who's ahead of you, who's behind of you, who might be catching up and trying to pass you, uh, as well as also monitoring your own horse and riding your horse based on their ability, based on their conditioning and their weak points and their strong points. Some horses do better going uphill, some do better going downhill, you know, so we all have to learn where our horses do the best as far as when they're going to be moving out and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of strategy involved. So the first thing I'll do, and I was taught this to many, many years ago, like back in the 90s by another endurance competitor at the time. And we were riding up at Fort Shelbourne going up the mountain. And he tells me, see that tree up there at the top. So I pick that as a landmark. And we see the group of riders getting up to that tree at the top of that hill. And so he says, okay, now look at your watch and check your time. Okay, now we keep going and we're chatting along and now we get up to the tree at the top of that mountain and he says, okay, look at your watch again, check the time. And so now it's say two minutes and 30 seconds later. So now we know that those riders ahead of us are about two and a half minutes ahead. So now we continue going and now we can look down and see, okay, at the bottom where we cross the creek, we see the riders getting to that point. And so now we can check the time for when they get to the creek crossing. And then again, when we get there, we can time it. And now we can tell, are we still two and a half minutes behind them? So we're maintaining or are we now four minutes behind them? So they're they're getting farther ahead and, and we're getting further behind or have we now cut their lead down and now we're only, say, 30 seconds behind them. And it works the same way in reverse if you want to kind of keep track of who who is behind you and if they're catching you. Of course, that takes a little more work having to turn around to keep watching to see where they are when they um, pass the landmarks or you know, just different topography and stuff along the trail. So that gives you a little bit of an opportunity to figure out your timing and your spacing. You can f figure out if you need to start moving out a little faster or, or slow, you know, if you know you're slowing down or if you want to keep maintaining your pace, kind of keeps you a little bit, you know, aware of the competition and where you're at in it. And, that way you can sort of plan your ride as you go along. Well, that makes perfect sense because the announcers do that when they're covering races, whether it's a foot race or a bike race or a car race. You know, they're always they're always giving the intervals between the leaders and, and others, you know, and you're just kind of do, doing sure. that yourself as you're riding. Now, that doesn't tell you where you are in the pack necessarily, but it does tell you if you're – basically what it tells you is if you're moving faster or slower than the people in front of you. Right. Now, if, if you could see a good distance, I guess you could do that for a number of people, right? You could do that for you, the person that's 10 ahead of you if you could see them. 
you can, yeah. right. And so, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, how, you know, some of the top competitors are definitely a lot more, uh, you know, that are more competitive are a lot more aware of this sort of thing, of paying attention to that. You know, during the ride, when you're going in and out of the vet checks and the timers, you know, the best way to find out what's going on is to go and visit with one of the timers. And, it, you know, a lot of them will let you look at your at the sheet or they'll tell you who's ahead and how far ahead they are and how many or how far behind, you know, I mean, I think most of the writers are just tend to want to just go ride and complete. And they're more or less competing against themselves in the trail versus in any of the other riders. And so a lot of times you'll see riders come in and they're pleasantly surprised that they finished in the top 10 because they truly had no idea that they were even in the top 10. Well, that, you know, that makes sense, you know, uh, because you can't see each other a lot of the time. So, right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's not like a car race where, you, where I can see the leader up there. Uh -huh. right? Yeah. right. And some rides you can and some rides you can't. Sometimes, you know, you just can see maybe the very peak of the mountain and that and then you have to be focused and paying attention. And and so, you know, for the those that want to compete or are serious about their placing and stuff, you know, they need to focus and pay attention to that. Where Whereas the rest of the group, uh, they're just having a great time. They might be visiting and talking and sightseeing, and they're not even aware that there's anybody ahead or how far ahead or anything like that. So that that's the fun part with endurance is you've got all the different types of riders out there uh, out on the trail at the same time. You know, some are competitive and, and some are just uh, going to complete and have a good time. And I've done it both ways. And, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you just have to, uh, you know, set your goals. And, you know, sometimes you just want to finish in the middle of the pack or wherever it is you are. And so you're, you know, you might just be wanting to make sure that there's a group of 10 riders behind you and you just want to keep enough distance so that they're not going to all pass you right at, you know, at the very end or, or something like that. So everybody has their you know, their choice, you know, and on any, you can go from one ride and be competitive to the next to not and just want to complete. So, you know, that's the beauty of it. You can do your own thing at, at each ride. It's up to you. Well, and speaking of uh, knowing where you are and how fast you're going and everything, uh, Kristen from Distance Depot is going to be coming up in a little while talking about garments. So mm -hmm. that's uh, one of the things we're going to chat about today, kind of ties in nicely. Well, thank you for that, Karen. Appreciate that. And, you know, for listeners who have don't tune in regularly to the Endurance Day episode, you got a new Arab whose name is Apollo, right? Yes, he's an Anglo-Arab. That's so right. He's half, he's half Arab and half um, thoroughbred. And, uh, you know, he's a nice boy. He's just been basically a yard or art <laughs> for the last four years or so. Um, five years ago, he did do as many as like seven endurance rides, 250s, and the rest were limited distance. And he did well. And then his owner passed away. And then he went to a friend of mine. And then I ended up with him. And I've been working with him. And he's coming along. Um, he's, you know, an interesting horse, uh, you know, we're having a lot of fun. We've been working on just a lot of basic stuff. 
you know, he had a nasty habit of coming flying out backwards out of the horse trailer. So he's gone in and out and in and out of a horse trailer quite a lot. Um, you know, so we're working through trying to find all the holes in his training and, uh, you know, dealing with all of that kind of stuff and working through it. Now, now the big thing I'm working with him now is when we go out and we ride for eight or 10 or 12 miles, once he's headed home, he starts head tossing. Cause he so, wants to go home or doesn't want to go home. Cause he wants to go. He wants to go. Yeah. He wants to go and move out. Um, you know, and, and again, like I mentioned, he'd been sitting, he's been mostly yard art <laughs> for four years. So he doesn't have the physical conditioning well, a lot to of the go out. And, we've owned other years are that way. They're home homebound and want to, Get there as yeah. quickly as possible. <laughs> right. So, you know, I think if I could get him out and just go and trot the whole way, he'd probably be fine. But, you know, I don't want him just going out and doing that yet. I want to build him up to it, you know, because his recoveries, quite frankly, have not been that great. You know, I mean, my 25-year-old horse is way out recovering him. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, so he's a work in progress, Apollo is. He's a work in progress. So, yeah, we're, we're working that, that head tossing thing is, you know, some horses do it. Some horses, you know, and he doesn't, it's not that he tosses his head up. He slings it from side to side. Oh, that's fun. so tell me i haven't i've been kind of out of touch with the endurance world here last couple of months i've been kind of out of touch with the world but um so are the endurance rides going to happen here in florida is they still scheduled i assume the endurance riders are going to be descending here shortly on florida i think so you know there are some you look at the ride calendar and it's you know it's a lot there's a lot less on it and then there's a few that are canceled a few that are pending you know, part of the issue I know, especially in the California rides, was the insurance. Well, yeah, and then uh, California is pretty much shutting down again. So that's they are be, shutting yeah, down yeah. again. I and, mean, Florida will know, never shut down with our governor, but uh, you know, but it, it will be interesting to uh-huh. see what happens and how many people. You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how many people come to Florida. If we're going to see less horse people this year than we did before, I don't know. You know, it'll be interesting right. to see how that all works out because you know, Cala, we get it. You know, usually get descended upon by endurance riders especially uh we mm-hmm. also get jumpers and we also get dressage riders and you know and even western now are starting to come and now with the new world equestrian okay. center it's going to be interesting to see what happens there too uh-huh. um, but what about the annual meeting that's usually in what february gonna, y- yes and they're going to be doing a virtual convention this year okay so i imagine like everybody else have- yeah yeah Right. Some, um, you know, online Zoom meetings and lectures and stuff like that. I think they had already voted to not do national awards for the year. They still are listing them on the website and calculating them out. Um, but yeah, since so many people didn't get the ride. Just right. Not, a lot not of, the no fault of their own. <laughs> wasn't right. able to. Exactly. So. You know, it's kind of sad for the people that were able to go and and ride, and we'll be talking to one of them later, uh, you know, because they still did really well in their categories, but they were competing against a much, you know, smaller pool of people, you know, and of course, without the income from, from more people competing, AARC really doesn't have the money to be handing out the same amount of awards, 
So you, this must have been your least competitive year in <laughs> It was like a big fat zero. <laughs> did, is this, I mean, when is the last time you did not compete in a year? Uh, 1993. There you go. <laughs> that must be I weird. I know. It, I just was it nice like, in a way too? Not that to pack up the trailer and all that all the time? You know, it kind of was, and then you start, but see, then you fall into this hole, like a hole Mm. that's hard to get out of because it's like, gosh, this is so nice and easy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's that, and probably you saved a lot of money. Right. Yeah. I mean, gas alone. (laughs) Uh, Well, sure, yeah, and and then, of course, with when you're traveling with horses, you spend quite a bit of money on just getting your health certificates and Coggins and you know, all the other stuff that's involved with, with traveling and taking trips with them. And it was interesting this year because we don't travel to competitions like you do, but we go to conventions, we go to uh, trade shows, we go to horse shows to cover them and stuff. And at the end of this year, I looked at the bank account and went, we have a lot more money than we usually do. And, I, <laughs> we, you know, I talked to Jennifer about it. She's like, because we didn't spend tens of thousands of dollars traveling. Yeah, yeah, that's good. See, I started out in the hole with I with the you know issue I had earlier in the year when I lost a horse. I ran up about nine thousand dollars in bets. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> so I'm kind <laughs> of you you know that was your so gas you, money for the year. <laughs> there you go. So I'm kind of breaking even. I'm just going to consider 2020 a wash <laughs> and get over it. You know, because there's you know. When I was younger, I probably would have been really stressed out over it. I would have been, you know, yeah, really. Yeah, and that doesn't do anything have, either, right? I mean, it doesn't accomplish anything. So, so you know, yeah. so now I've got, it's sort of like, we got a lot done. We got our house painted. We painted the barn. We remodeled the bathroom. <laughs> um, we got a lot of stuff done around here. I think a lot here. of people did that because, you know, they said it's been a booming year for Home Depot and Lowe's and, you know. It's Is just, it? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah so we we did get a lot of stuff done that really needed to be done. Um, we, you know, we've been and wanting to a, get an RV forever, and not having all the travel expenses this year, it was like, oh, we can afford to get an RV you this could. year. could. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so. That's great. So, yeah, you know, in some ways, like you said, there there's some things that are positive about it. you got to just look at the positive that came out of it versus, you know, getting too stressed out about the fact that I didn't, you know, because Chief, he's 25, and this would have been his 19th ride season. And I'm hoping to get him to a double decade team for so, you know, basically we still can do it, but, you know, we kind of missed a year, which was unfortunate. Well, when um, will your ride start up again out there? Actually, uh, out, it depends. Different parts of the country have Let's already started. Take COVID back out up. of it. When would it start up uh, for you? Well, well, December first is the new ride season, and if I wanted to travel out of region, like they just had a ride this past weekend in Arizona. Oh, okay, that's a hike for you, though, right? Right. It's yeah. quite. You know, it's two day drive, probably for the most part, or one really, really long day. You know, uh, most of our rides in the West region start usually in March. Yeah, which, you know, it's so if we get vaccines and we're in the April, May category, then you, you won't be too far behind. So, I hope not. Yeah, yeah. I hope not. And then it's just and then we had the fire season and the oh, that's smoke. Right. Yeah, you guys had all of and, that this year. And yeah. that kind of hit us hard with, you know. Let's hope uh, for a better season for that next year. Let's hope for some <laughs> I rain. I know. So we're all looking forward to 2021. I see they've got Tevis back on the schedule now and a bunch they of other They have it back rides. in August again? 
I'm not sure if it's July or August. Okay. I'll have to look at the calendar, but it, it is. I did see it back on the calendar, you know, so I think it'll be a probably a pretty good turnout because everybody's so anxious because they didn't get to go this year, you know, and it's for a lot of people, they only have a window of time where everything falls in line for them and their horse to get to go do something like that. So everybody's, you know, literally chomping at the bit to get to go. Well, I'm sure we'll see some of the endurance riders uh, heading here to Ocala. And to do Mm -hmm. that, while they're riding in the forests here, where you can get lost very easy because it all looks the same, uh, we don't have hills to judge by. You're just in a green tunnel, and all the green tunnels look alike. A lot of Spanish (laughs) moss and oak trees. Uh, And swamp and alligators. But to get around, you got to have a Garmin, right? Well, we have Kristen back on with us from Distance Depot, like she is every month, although she's quite busy right now getting presents out to everybody. So uh, you a little busy over there at Distance Depot? Oh, my goodness. We are very busy. Um, <laughs> the tack orders are rolling in. Um, I think everybody must be out riding their horse. I, I think they're not riding their horse, so they have time to shop is what's happening. Is that <laughs> it? I don't know. Holy cow, we're busy, but that's a great thing. You know so, what we figured we out? We were just talking about this on the show, and it probably applies to you, too. We thought that stores like yours were going to really hurt this year, but I think what happened is people aren't going to as many shows. Like, Karen didn't go to any, and yeah, that's probably right. $10,000 in fuel savings alone. So they're just buying <laughs> right. stuff, you know? Right. <laughs> yep. All that stuff you need to have, I guess, just. People are stocking up, and there have been some rides, but nothing like normal, of course. But, um, yeah, we've just been sewing our fingers to the bone and shipping packages like crazy. So, Well, before we talk about garments and gadgets, I wanted to mention, too, to everybody <laughs> that if you want any Horses in the Morning or Horse Radio Network embroidered stuff, we have a whole line of stuff you can get at Distance Depot. Just go to the distancedepot.com, and you'll see on the left side of the page where it says Horse Radio Network, and you can get uh, embroidered stuff right there. And I do have, yeah, I do have a hat out there on the embroidery table that's getting ready to be done today with a um, Horses in the Morning logo. It's it's a um, orange mesh hat with black on the front, so the logo is going to look awesome. I'll take a picture and send it to you guys. Great, and cool. I know you shipped yeah. some this year or just a month ago because I saw our post, uh, one of our, we have a lot of listeners in Alaska, and they bought some hats and stuff from you. So. Yes, they did, yeah. Yeah, yeah and so. they turned out awesome. So there, uh, we wanted to remind you, you can still get those. Head over to thedistancedepot.com. What are we talking about this month? This month, we're going to talk about um, Garmin units that we have. Um, of course, Garmin is world-renowned renowned for its GPS. Um, it's extremely accurate because it's working off many satellites up there. So the accuracy, as far as the GPS goes, is really good. Um And most of the units these days are wrist-based, meaning it will read your heart rate, of course, um, because you wear it on your wrist. It can pick up your heart rate from the wrist. But we have adapter kits that will adapt the Garmin Dual Heart Rate Monitor. They call it a soft block. But essentially, for those of us who always use, like, the older VMAX units and stuff like that, it's it's still... um, adapts the heart rate monitor, um, just like our wires just clip onto that new Garmin Dual and um, hook up to the horse. There are two electrodes that go against the horse and pick up his heart rate. So you can shut off the wrist-based part of the heart rate and actually pick up your horse's heart rate while you ride, Um, which is awesome. It's a great training tool so you can see how fit your horse is. 
um, while you're riding. And also, you can set up different screens on the watch. So you can, of course, have time of day, heart rate, um, how far you went, how fast you traveled. Some of the units even have elevation. And, and there are so many units out there. If you already have, we sell the Garmin Forerunners because they're made for runners and they have um, really nice options. But there are a ton of Garmin units out there. Um, and as long as you have the unit and the heart rate belt, if you will, and our wires will adapt that um, so that you can see your horse's heart rate and all that nifty information when you ride. And you can download it onto your computer and see workouts. And even if you went to a ride, you could name it, you know, um, Tevis 2021. <laughs> we um, hope. You know, and and, yeah, exactly. Right. And, and Garmin also has Garmin Connect that you can log in and save all of your rides. Yeah. Yeah, and, and their um, technology is called Ant Plus, and, and the new dual heart rate monitor, it's called the dual because it has the Ant Plus technology that will download the um, information right onto your computer, but it, it also has Bluetooth. So that's a n- newer option um, that Garmin has come out with over the last few years. So pretty, pretty cool stuff there. The watches are so much are so nice. I mean, we've come a long way in a short number of years from the big bricks mm-hmm. we used to have to carry, right? Absolutely. Uh, to now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And some writers have handheld units that they use. Um, Karen, do you use a handheld? I do an Oregon yeah. model. Right. Used it for years. So, yeah. Yeah. So as long as whatever system or, or unit you have has heart rate capabilities, and if you want to see your heart rate, you are able to adapt that dual heart rate monitor um, to pick up your horse's heart rate if that's something you're interested in. What What's the battery life on these? Well, um, some of the less expensive units are generally about 11 to 13 hours in GPS mode. Of course, you can shut the GPS mode off and get longer battery life. But for the folks that are doing the 100 milers, um, you'll need a unit that, that, of course, unless you have a way to charge it out in the field, which can be kind of tricky. Some of those units, like the 945, the 935, 735, those units have... um, 24 hours in GPS mode, so it should carry you through 100 pretty easily. Okay, If awesome. only horses came with USB ports, we could just plug right in. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is terrific. So what other, what other hot sellers do you have going right now for this Christmas? What are people buying if you, if you had to pick two or three products that are just flying out? Yeah, it's funny. Well, of course, our custom tack is just crazy um, go, going out. It's always pretty popular. But we have a lot of horse-designed items, so we have mugs and wine tumblers and jewelry, of course, this time of year, um, you know, um, purses and anything with a horse on it um, (laughs) seems to be pretty popular. So that stuff is really, we can tell which orders are Christmas because they'll have, you know, some, some wine tumblers, some riding gloves, you know, a hat, people are jewelry, you know, they just add all that stuff in there, so... It's fun to gather it all up and see what's going out. Very good. So, also gift certificates. I see that at the top of your page at the distance. See, I'm over here yeah. shopping. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I see and gift I, certificates. It's always a good thing. You know, we always recommend for horse husbands that don't know what to do for yeah. their wives because all they want is horse exactly. stuff and you don't know a damn thing about it. Get That's a gift right. certificate. Yeah. 
Yeah, and if you're exactly. not sure of someone's size or, the, you know, if you, if you think they might want to have tack, but, of course, it's custom, so you want to make sure, you know, that they can pick their own colors and so on and so forth. We have two versions, so you can select um, to email it directly to the person. You could email it to yourself and print it out and give it, or you can select to just have us print it out and we can mail it to you. So if you don't have capabilities to print one out. Um, so there are some options there, and you can select a gift certificate of any amount. So always a, always a good good thing to give. Everybody loves a gift certificate. I know you get this question a lot, and I'm going to let you go. What's the kind of cutoff date to get something in for Christmas now? Well, I'm starting to get worried because our tech is really mounting back there, and I'm hoping we can get it all sewn up and out the door. Um, I think the carriers are saying around the 15th this year. They are so inundated. Even packages coming into the store for items that we've ordered in, I see our tracking, and, and it's starting to get pushed back a day or two. Um, I know, heard UPS is turning boxes away at some places now. Yeah, they can't take it. Oh, my it. goodness. Yeah, it's just unprecedented. They've been at peak performance, they say, since April. So, yeah. Wow. Just, Pandemics yeah, will do that. Exists, right? <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently. Good grief. <laughs> com. Go back to work, Kristen. you got boxes to get out. All right. Thanks, Have Kristen. All right, Bye-bye. we'll see you. All right, uh, that was fun, and she's uh, she's so good, and the company is she works so hard to get your orders out, and the custom stuff is just beautiful. So head on over to thedistancedepot.com. dot com. They've supported this show since it started, what eight years ago, since we started doing this episode. Uh, but coming up next, we have some fun guests for you. Uh, tell us a little bit about who's coming up. Okay, next we've got Earl Baxter, who is a Hall of Fame rider with Hall of Fame horses. He's in the Century Club, multiple decade teams, 43,980 miles. We also have his partner, Mary Bell Paulson, who has also been riding almost as long or maybe as long as Earl has since Uh, Their records both show pre-1985 in the AARC database, and she has over 11,290 miles total, and they're both going to be joining us this morning. And he's part of the Century Club, right? Yes. That means the horse and the rider's age combined is 100 years old or older. Good morning, you two. I'm going to start off asking Earl Tell us how you got your start in endurance and how long you've been endurance riding. Well, I started endurance riding, I guess, in 79, and I've been riding ever since. <laughs> yes, you have. You've been riding a lot ever since. And how, how, did <laughs> well, you, how did you start? What got you started and interested in it? Oh, actually, uh, a young a lad that worked for me years ago told me about this uh, competitive riding and that I actually started doing competitive first back in 1979, 1980. And uh, I did quite, well, I did a lot of competitive because that's what we had up in Ontario. There was only a few endurance rides at that time. And, uh, you know, so you had to do, the only thing you could ride was a competitive, but 
I learned a lot doing competitive. I learned how to pace, learned how to look after my horse, make my horse learn. I learned how to bring my horse in at the end of a 20 or 30 or 40 mile ride. It looked like he didn't do anything. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. And then endurance so, started growing with more rides and you just kept yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I started, you know, I I uh I I like the endurance better than the competitive because it's so nitpicky and you get tired of it. But the one thing I, I really believe is that competitive taught taught me how to pace, take care of my horse and look after everything, you know? And you know, Sometimes you get carried away in endurance and, and bite you in the butt. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so, Mary, Mary Bell, let's have you tell us how you got started and how long you've been riding. I, start, I did my first AERC ride in 1977, um, and my ex-husband came home uh, talking about these endurance rides and point to points and all of that. And I thought these people are crazy. Um, so <laughs> here I am all this time later. Um, and my first ride, I just got thrown on because I was lighter anyway, um, got lost, um, almost had the helicopters come look for me, but I was too stubborn to quit. I wanted to do better after that. <laughs> so, so unfortunately I did. So <laughs> Wow. And how long have you and Earl been riding together? We've been together almost 10 years. And we, we did meet at a at Fort Stanton Endurance Ride um, almost 10 years ago. Oh, wow. So. That's sort of cool. Okay, Earl, tell us what changes have you seen in the sport of endurance in your time? Oh, lots of changes. <clears throat> Back when I started, you know, that parameters were 72 and all you had to do was be sound at the walk and you know uh, they changed the timing and stuff people would come in you know as long as they got down in 30 minutes they left uh, there was no whole time like there is now uh, you know that stuff was wrong but some of the stuff they're doing now I I I think they're getting carried away and, you know, what they need to do that because a lot of these new people don't understand horses the way that we did back in the day, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, back when I started, there was a lot of men riding and not that many women. And now it's, it totally changes hardly any men riding. You know, the men all, you know, they, the ones in Pennsylvania, I, I rode a lot in Pennsylvania and that. <clears throat> Those guys, you know, they always wanted to win, didn't, you know, even though they were 250 pounds with tack and stuff. But, uh, you know, they just had the wrong attitude as far as I can say. You know, wasn't about doing 50 miles, it was more about, going out there and kicking ass and telling everybody, you know, I set this record or whatever, you know, I, and it's, that's not what it's about. It's to me, it's, it's more 
uh, going out and enjoying the trails, racking up miles, looking after your horse, and doing what you like to How old is your horse that you're riding right now, Earl? Well, I got to, you know, I've always tried to have at least two horses going. Uh-huh. That way I could switch off. And that's one of the reasons sometimes I had three. But that's, I guess that's how I managed to rack up so many miles because I usually had a horse to ride. Uh-huh. But my one horse is going to be 21 this year. So. He, he is 21. He's going to well, be 22 not, this year. That's not that old. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my my other mare, which is a half-sister to him, is going to be 12 this year. Okay. Good so. age. Hey, Earl, we always talk about heart horses on the show. The the one horse, that one horse that was the horse. Who is, Which one was the horse? Well, I rode Catch Me If You Can for 10,000 miles in 10 years. Uh, he was an awesome horse. There's no doubt about it. He he taught me a lot because he was smarter than I was. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a lot of the good ones are. Rides. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we'd start a ride, you know, when you were doing five days in a row or four, you know, and news fresh horses that come in and they go truck it off and you think, well, we should go a little quicker. And he'd say, no, not now. And he didn't care how many horses passed him. And I know one ride in particular up at Arizona, I was riding with Kevin Waters and there was, I think about 40 horses started that ride at that time. And uh, Kevin and I were, had it together at the last vet check. I said, I said, I wonder how many horses are ahead of us. He says, I don't know. I said, well, God, I know a lot past us. And we, we ended up going out and we hardly passed anybody, but I guess we did it all for that check. <laughs> we ended up being third and fifth out of a large number. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you have so many stories and I know we think Maribel here too, but, um, there's got to be a million stories that you have, you know, and I'm talking about the wild stories, the lightning strikes close by and all of that stuff. Is there one that really stands out that was one of those moments that you'll never forget the crazy story? Oh, well, I don't know that I can really say. I, what about as many you experiences? Oh, oh, the, <laughs> oh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you Years ago, we were doing this ride up in Canada, and <clears throat> there was a gal that, that uh, rode at my place at that time, and she was riding my one my one horse, and I was riding the other, and we got out there trucking along, and I, I just forget how it started, but somebody annoyed me, and I said to her, I said, I'm going to beat that girl. I don't give a damn. <laughs> and anyway, so we, I, I know it, it was a pretty hard day. Things were really flying. People, there's about 10 of us in the first loop, and they just slowly disappeared. But anyway, I was tailing 
And I was riding, uh, oh, Jeremy, a big half fair standard bread I had. And I was tailing Jeremy. And I went to slow him down so I'd get back on. And he was pretty sharp, you know, because I did it a lot. I just, I wouldn't have a line on him. And I'd hang on to his tail and I'd pull myself up to catch the saddle and pull him up. And this time, he said, I don't think so. And he took off. And I'm going down the trail, taking steps about 10 feet long. <laughs> and finally, I can't keep up. And I go, tickety-boo, that's over tea kettle. And Wendy, who was with me, she laughed so hard. She could hardly get back on her horse. And a friend of mine was up on top of this hill. And I, I get up to the top, and, <laughs> and Ron says, I think I got something you're looking for. <laughs> oh God, thank God you got my horse. <laughs> yeah, that could have anyway, been a long hundred miles. <laughs> well, it was a it was a quick fifty. It was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> but uh, you know, and I know I the one time I was doing shore to shore on him. I guess that was in maybe nineteen eighty eight. And I did all five days, and there was about five of us riding together every day. I was riding with Bill Wilson, Maggie Price, you know. And uh, so we'd, we'd be going along, and <clears throat> I'd ever trotting. And, and it, back in those days, I could run pretty good. So I hop off, and I'm running behind the horse. And, and they're starting to get a little ahead of me, and he's picking it up. And I'm wanting to get back on. And he said, I don't think so. <laughs> So I ended up going a little longer than I really wanted to, but you know, <laughs> he was a, he was a heck of a horse, just the same. But you know, we had some really good times, Bill and I, because we rode a lot of miles together, and it, you know, it just it was a lot of fun. Well, you're not the only rider in the group, right? Somebody else on this call I'm is sorry. also a rider. <laughs> <laughs> There's Mary Bell. That's yeah. okay. That's <laughs> okay. I, let's, let's hear your story. What r- ride stands out the most to you for being eventful or exciting? Um, riding shore to shore was pretty exciting when, when we have to put our feet in the lakes. Um, and, you know, I'm from New Mexico. And we have to put the horse's feet in the lakes. I'm from New Mexico. We don't see much water. And I I said, oh, I put my horse's feet in the ocean because, you know, I, I'm just used to not much water. Um, and, well, of course, they all laughed at me up in Michigan. Um, oh, there, have been, there have been a lot of good rides. But I want to say Earl is 80 years old for the people who do not know him. And um, he's still as strong as he can be. So that's what endurance riding awesome. has done for us, you know. I hope I'm half as spunky as he is at 80. Oh, it's, he's really incredible. And, and I've been, I think riding with my grandson has been, you know, very adventurous for me too. getting him going. That's been fun. So how old is your grandson? He's 14 now. He started at nine. Oh, good. Have you got him trained to open all the gates for you guys? <laughs> we do, and he trots out our horses for us. He's a little blessing. Oh, is. perfect. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> okay, I have to ask about the birds. What kind of birds? 
Oh, it's a cockatiel. It's in there with Earl. Yeah, I can tell. But I, we've, we owned cockatiels, and they were always that loud. So I knew exactly what kind it was. <laughs> and, and he's 27. He's, we got longevity going on around here. <laughs> you, do. you sure do. <laughs> you definitely do. Well, so is the plan to keep riding, both of you? Yep, as long as oh. we can. I just had a hip replacement, and... Um, and I can't wait till it's, I mean, coming along well, but I can't wait to get back on my horse. Well, we hope that you guys get to do that, and we all get vaccines, and riding goes back to normal next year, and we can uh, we can all get back to putting a lot of miles in. Uh, you know, Earl doesn't have many, so he needs to add to his collection. <laughs> <laughs> so. He always says, I need to go to a ride. I need the miles. <laughs> Thank you both for joining us. This has been a whole lot of fun. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's been fun for us, too. Thank you, guys. Um, And good luck. Put in another 10,000 next year, Earl. 10,000. That's your goal. All right. All right. Okay, you guys. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye bye. I hope I sound half as good at that as 80. Wow. He's great. Wow, how terrific. And, you know, those were just some of the stories he could tell us. Imagine the ones he couldn't. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, one of the things that helps you put in 43,000 miles is hoof boots from Renegade. So hoof tell us boots. a little bit about those. Right. Hoof boots are made in the United States in Arizona. They've got two different models. They've got the uh, classic Renegade model and the Viper model, which uh, have slightly different shapes to them. So depending on the shape of your horse's hoof, you can choose the model that's best suited. I I have used both models for many thousands of miles on multiple different horses on every kind of ride from 50s to 100s to Tavis and everything in between. I've used the glue-on model of boots that they have, which is an option for those that want to just glue boots on, say, for a week-long ride or for a one-day hundred, and then not have to even look at your horse's feet, which is kind of a fun thing to do. Then you don't have to even get up in the morning and worry about boots or shoes or cleaning feet. You just get on and go. Uh, The strap-on boots are easy to use, um, I've got, I've had just about every junior I've ridden with over the last few years has mastered them easily enough. So if a nine-year-old can do it, I think almost anybody can. Uh, you can find them at renegadehoofboots.com. And it's Christmas, so people are looking for fun gifts. These come in many colors. Like lots of colors. They do, several different colors. You can also mix and match the boot color with the captivator if you've got two different colors of tack, which a lot of people do nowadays. Um, you know, it's you can use different colored boots for different sized uh, feet so that, it you know, there's no chance of getting them all mixed up or confused if you're putting them on in the dark. <laughs> so lots of uh, fun stuff there with the colors. Sounds good. Well, yeah. you can find that at Renegade Hoof Boots. And you, is your picture still on there? I think so. Uh, me and Bo going over Cougar Rock there wearing you go. Renegade Classic Strap on Boots. So get yours today. I'm sure they're still shipping for the holidays if you want to get a practical gift for that endurance rider in your life. And they will appreciate it because it's something they'll use every day. 
Right. Yes. Boots. I'm, I'm getting Apollo used to boots and he's doing really well in them. His, you know, we were talking about how we haven't spent money going to as many events this year. I've been spending it all on the new horse. <laughs> That's right. So, yes, he's got new boots. I've been getting all sorts of stuff to help his feet because he's got thoroughbred feet that mm. are flat. You mean and, wonderfully uh, solid, healthy feet like a thoroughbred. <laughs> Yes. And so thanks to Jen, she recommended trying this other stuff called, what's it called? Um, uh, Toe Grow. That's what it was. So I've been using that and Caratex and some other stuff. And his feet are improving quite a bit. But yes, this stuff does add up in cost. So, um, you know, but heck, whatever it takes, we've got to get his feet going good. And and he's moving out really, really good with the boots on. And, um, you know, so so we're making progress, Sounds making good. progress to hopefully have a nice, solid sound horse. So when we do go to a ride, we don't have any issues. Well, let's go to our next guest. We have the person who is leading in the national mileage category for 2020. Her name is Carrie Lowry. Good morning, Carrie. Thank you for joining us. And let me just start off saying congratulations on reaching 5,000 miles and also placing first in national mileage for 2020. And well, I'm still waiting for official results on that. So, <laughs> right, but you're still pretty far up there. So either way, yes, you do it. You did really well compared to, uh, you know, the the rest of the competition. Hey, the fact that you got to leave the house this year is is amazing. So there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So tell us about your horse. Uh, he's uh, part Appaloosa. Yes, he's half Appaloosa, half Arab. Uh, he's got Polish Arab on his uh, Arab side. Um, he's uh, um, uh, got Sambor, who uh, in his line to, um, I was told, was a famous Polish Arabian race horse. And then on his Appaloosa side, um, he's got some famous horses on that side too, but I don't know as much about the Appaloosa line. All I know is he's got cutting horse lines. Um, and that, and when he comes to spooking, you can tell he's got cutting horse in him because you're not staying on. <laughs> yeah. So when, it, when he spooked, it's a cut. <laughs> so. Oh boy. <laughs> and the, and the guy I bought him from too, he bought him as a cow horse, um, was going to use him for that and found out that he had absolutely no cow sense. Um, and it's true. He has absolutely no cow sense. He sees a cow and the first thing he wants to do is run from it. So, um, the guy was 100% <laughs> correct in that. And that's the reason I got him though. If he hadn't been, a, if he'd been a cow horse, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't own him today. So I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah. He sounds like a great horse and I've seen you've done just about everything with him. You've taken him in Dentavis. And, uh, so tell us a little bit about his career and what you have done. Uh, well, like you said, not much we haven't done. Um, when I first got him, we got into the sport kind of tentatively going, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to like it or not. We entered our first ride in 2012 and uh, did a 25. And when we came in from the 25, my first thought was we, we came into camp was, that's it? <laughs> so, and at that point, I think, I, I mean, it was instant um, addiction. Um, I had to, had to do more. He wasn't old enough to do a 50 at that point, of course, so we had to do um, a, a few 25s. And then uh, we stepped up to the, the 50, uh, got 150 in. We're going to finish the year in 25s, and we had, had a bad accident on him. A deer came out and spooked him, and I ended up in ICU and um, got me a, a nice helicopter ride to Herman Memorial in Houston. Uh, spent a few days down there. I uh, had 19 Ooh. broken bones total by the time it was all said and done. Oh, my. Um, it, 
yeah, it, he, uh, the deer came out and he went sideways and I should have just fallen off. You know, don't try to stay on, just fall off. If I'd done that, I probably would have had a few bruises, but no, I tried to stay on and he took off running because the deer was running beside him and he t- took a right-hand turn and there's a tree right there and I slammed into the tree. Oh my. So yeah. You always lose mm. that battle with the tree. It never goes well. Yes. Yeah. That's why I said, just fall off next time. If you're, you know, we are ha- hanging sideways in the saddle, just fall out. Don't fight with it. And I like helicopters, but you don't remember much about that ride. So no, No, I remember, I remember a couple things and that's it. But yeah. And so our, our, our career in fifties kind of got put on halt for a a, a year while I recovered. And a lot of people told me I wouldn't ever ride him again. I was like, you know, he really didn't do anything wrong. He just spooked. He did what a normal horse would do. Um, But a lot of people were like, Oh, I never ride him again. But we got back into sport again, got into it. And then I started fifties. He started getting comfortable at him. And then we tried our first back-to-back 50, you know, we're like, well, we'll, we'll give it a shot. And he somehow, I don't understand it. I know everybody else says it works that way, but he does better on the second day than the first day. He'll usually, mm-hmm. if we finish the first day in eight hours, he'll generally do the second day in seven hours. It's, he's, he's amazing like that. So then we tried our first hundred and we liked it. And then we started thinking about Tevis. And so we went and we tried it and we were successful in our first attempt, which was awesome. Um, and he loved it. He lo- he loves point to points. He's not too much for the circles. You know, you you go out of camp, you come back into camp. You go out of camp, you come back. Into- he, sounds he, a lot he, like my go- chief. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he, when you when you start to go out of camp for about the first three miles, he's going to drag his feet, and then he forgets he's actually you know leaving camp. When he forgets he's leaving camp, he's all happy again, and you come back into camp, and he's got to do it all over again. So he loves right. point to points. When, yeah, it's awesome. I'm sure, I bet he hates when you have to go in and out and in and out, like three or four different loops in and out. Yes. Cam, yeah. it's hard on him yeah. mentally, a horse like that. I know. Yeah. Yeah, and, he, I, and he's more of a follower, too. He's not, he gets out in front, he can lead, but if he gets out in front and then he starts leaving the horse behind him, uh, you know, the horse starts dragging behind him or whatever, he'll slow down to match their pace. I'm like, no, 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 no come on, we got to go. So another reason he liked uh-huh. Tevis was there was horses everywhere. I mean, there was always a horse ahead of him, and he didn't care who they were, he, he'd follow them. And, you know, it, we come into good. a vet hold and, he was like, oh, yeah, yay. And we got started to leave the vet hole. We couldn't find him. But somebody else was leaving. He was like, oh, I'll go with him. So <laughs> that's one thing that's good about him. He's a great follower as long as he has a companion. He's not too good on the trail by himself. He just gets lonely. <laughs> so I read about your last ride that you did in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And it said it starts out after my wreck on Wednesday. <laughs> what <laughs> What was that about? <laughs> Oh, just a, a, a car wreck. Um, I was driving down oh, no. the highway, and, and yeah, and a car um, pulled out in front of me. She didn't see me, and I ended up, I was driving my truck, thank goodness. Um, it told her her car, and I'm in my truck driving still today. It, it's, uh, it busted the headlight out and, and bit a little bit on the bumper. That's that's the really cool thing about the trucks, you know. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. she, her, her car was totaled, but yeah, so oh, <laughs> it was a little bit oh, stiff and sore from that, but that was a regular wreck, not a horse wreck. Okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm not sure if that's good or not, but I'm glad you were okay and your truck was okay. Um, yes. So then you, you go to the ride. Tell us about some of the adventures and misadventures you had there. Oh, well, the first thing was uh, my stirrup breaking. Um, of course, it, it's cold. And when it's cold, Cody's not a big bucking horse, but he likes, he, he, he has what I call joy bucks when it's cold and cool and he's fresh and ready to go. So at the end of the ride, he does his little joy bucks. So we had about two or three miles with little joy bucks, you know, just a wee here and a wee there. Um, and then we get about six or seven miles in and my left stirrup breaks. 
And I mean, it was just bang. And, and we're going at that point, we're probably going somewhere between nine and 12 miles an hour. Um, and so, um, uh, you know, it, I was like, okay, well I can, I can deal without a stirrup. I'll just drop my other stirrup and I'll just, you know, ride with, with no stirrups for the moment and we'll do that. Well, this is the type of trail that you're going in and out and in and out of, of, of trees and everything. And you don't realize how much you need a stirrup until you don't have one. <laughs> so about three miles of that, and I mean, literally, I was ducking branches and going around a tree and, and almost falling off of him, trying to stay on at the same time. So we come to the, we have a turnaround point. It's an out and back. And so we come to the turnaround point, and I, I get off of him. And the only thing I really have, I have, I have some dog collars, you know, to tie stuff on the saddle with, but that wasn't going to work. But I did have my sponge strap. So I took my sponge strap and I attached it to the stirrup because it was actually the billet itself that broke. I attached it to the stirrup and then tied it to the uh, to the to the, um, the pommel on the uh, saddle. And I was like, okay, this will probably work. And it was okay for about a mile, but sponge straps are not made for being stirrups and, and that kind of abuse. And um, it would stretch. I had to stop and untie it and retie it back up. And it would stretch again every mile for, 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 uh, for 10 miles. Every single mile, I'd have to stop and retie it. We finally managed to get back into camp. So get back into camp, and we had our first hold only 30 minutes. So I get um, uh, I get my junior saddle. I've got another saddle. I don't have enough time to replace what needs replaced. It's a 30-minute hold, trying to get him his electrolytes, my food, everything. So I just grab the other saddle, throw it on. And my junior uh, is about six inches taller than me. And uh, the stirrups uh, on his saddle just don't go any higher. This just It just doesn't go. So I spend the next 20 miles of the loop standing on tiptoe trying to, to post. Which is it's a little bit better than no stirrup, but it's not much better. <laughs> so, and then we managed to finally come in. We got our completion. I think we finished in sixth place or something like that out of about twenty some odd. So, but that was yeah. You just don't realize how much you rely on those stirrups until you simply don't have one. Sure, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and and that was that was how we ended our season. And the ironic part about the beginning of twenty twenty. Um, our first ride last year was going to be that exact same ride, but the way the seasons fell, the um, the season finale ended up being the last ride of the year and the first ride of the year. So I wasn't able to make the last day. I drove all the way up there, which is about nine and a half hours for me um, to get there. And um, I'm going to ride the next morning and start off the year with our first 50 because I was I knew we were going to need about 800 miles for our 5,000 mark. I want to get a head start on it. So I get up there, but I made the mistake of stopping somewhere along the way, and I got food poisoning. And so I spent oh, the next twenty, yeah, I spent the next twenty-four hours, you know, pretty much watching everything I ate come come back up. It wasn't pretty, and I missed the ride. I mean, I drove nine and a half hours up there, and uh, the ride manager, you know, the ride manager took well good care of me, um, uh, you know, made sure I was cared for and everything. But I didn't get to start the ride, which made Cody really mad because. He watched all the other horses going out of camp, and he was just pacing back and forth, neighing at him, going, oh, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> so, but that's, that's how my season started. So it didn't start very well, and then we had about four rides. It was going fairly well, and then, of course, everything shut down for COVID. And that was that for about three months until um, uh, a few people figured out how to start having the rides safely and social distancing and everything. So then we rode in Oklahoma once. We rode in Missouri um, we didn't get to go to Fort Stanton this year because New Mexico was completely shut down. So um, drove with a friend all the way up to Michigan. Um, that was a pretty cool um, a ride up there. Uh, did a ride in Tennessee, did a ride in Mississippi, did 100 in Mississippi, uh, just trying to get all the mileage we could. I ended up doing one ride. Um, I actually did back-to-back 50s because it was a 50 and a 55, which was going to give me the mileage I needed instead of doing the 100. Um, 
So a lot of people were like, why don't you do 250s instead of 100? I was like, because I needed that extra five miles. Ironically, <laughs> I know it, it, we needed it. And, I mean, we just barely made it, but we made it. We actually Good. got it in this year. So, but it was not a, if, and nobody had a great year this year for, with 2020, but it was, it was different. Definitely different. Definitely was different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but I rode in four different regions this year. I rode in um, central region, southeast region, mountain region, and uh, Midwest region. Had to go to four different regions to get the mileage that I needed, but we, we managed to do it. A lot Good. of driving. <laughs> so what does 2021 look like for you? Well, I'm hoping to go back to Tevis. Um, I'm waiting for them. They said they're going to open up the entries uh, sometime in January, so I'm hoping to be Johnny on the spot and be one of the first entries in there. Um, uh, I'd like to go back and do it again, and he's, and he's in t- tip-top shape, and he liked the ride. I like the ride, so that's what we're hoping for. We're also looking, though, we would like to do ARC Nationals in Montana. We've never ridden in Montana, so mm-hmm. that would be really cool. Uh, I think that's going to be in June. Um, and other than that, I'm not really sure at this point. I know with Tevis coming out, we don't want to do a whole lot. You want to have a fresh horse going into that sure. ride. So uh-huh. we're not going to be aiming for 800 to 1,000 miles this year, which we did 1,025 miles last year, I believe, and 860 this year, I believe. So uh, we're probably going to cut back on the mileage, mm-hmm. let him get some rest in, do a couple, you know, keep him in real good shape by doing some um, difficult hundreds or 75s but not do a whole lot of them. Maybe only have four or 500 miles this year going into Tevis. And then after Tevis, uh, we have the Appaloosa Nationals, which are going to be in a big South Fork, Tennessee in September. So uh, if we do, if Tevis does actually happen, if they don't cancel it this year, and um, um, if uh, Nationals for Appaloosa happens, we'll, we'll go back and do that because it'll be the first ever 100-mile Appaloosa National Championship. All the other ones oh. have been 50-milers, which he's won okay. three times now. Um, but, uh, the, they've never had a hundred milers. So that's what we're, that's what's on our, uh, our goal. Wow. Well, well, let's all keep our fingers crossed for Tevis and for actually the whole rest of the sport to start to yes. get back to normal. And sounds like Cody's quite a horse. So uh, again, congratulations on your you. year and, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you out West next well, this season, we're already in 2021. So, and thank, thank you for joining <laughs> us today and telling us your stories. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll talk to, uh, talk anybody's ear off with my, about my horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. I, I'm the, glad. The Lord has blessed me. The, yeah, the Lord has blessed me with the, my first horse as being, uh, I mean, he's got the biggest heart and, I don't know, biggest heart in the United States as far as I'm concerned. Um, he, he's quirky. He opens gates. He lets himself out. He's, he's a typical <laughs> Appaloosa. He's, he, he has a sense of humor. Um, if you, if you're in front of a water trough and, and he has the opportunity, he'll push in the water trough because he thinks it's funny. You know? <laughs> so, I, I like that about, about horses. I like a horse with a sense of humor. He's definitely got a sense of humor. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> and most happies do though. I mean, they do. It's just a thing with oh, them. Oh, yeah. All, yeah. Appa- all Appaloosas are quirky. And yeah. some, I mean, I've got three Appaloosas, and each one of them is quirky in a different way. But he, he, you can almost see the wheels grinding going, hey, if I do that, that would be funny. Yeah. You know? We had, so, we had yeah, one. I've I told this story on the show before, but we had one, that Appy, that we used to do. Uh, Jennifer used to give lessons on him and stuff. But if you went trail ride with him, he would be a perfect angel. But at one point in the ride, no matter who was riding, no matter how professional they were, he would lull you into a sense of security. It would be the most enjoyable ride you've ever had and in the middle of it he'd crow hop and you were off 
He just would do it at the most random time, and everybody, it didn't matter how experienced you were, he would just lull you in and wait till you were totally relaxed, because he could feel that, and then he'd just sidestep out from under, and you'd be on the ground. And he'd do that once a ride, and then that was it. He was laughing and happy, and he'd stand there and wait for you to get uh-huh. on, and then he just made his day. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it, it does. I mean, uh, I, you'll hear... Uh, Whenever at a ride, I'll, I'll generally hear horse loose. I'm like, is it the Appaloosa? Yeah, is it mine? And it usually is. <laughs> yeah, he he can untie himself. He can uh, he 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 can count. If I put an electric fence, he actually counts the ticks, and he'll run through in between ticks. Um, oh, he, those are the worst. Super, <laughs> yeah, he's super smart. The last the hundred we did in in Mississippi, uh, we were in the middle of a ride meeting, and I hear loose horse, and I look up, and there goes my Appaloosa running through camp. I'm just like, seriously. Seriously, in the middle of ride meeting for the hundred mile, you're going to run through camp. And my my neighbor said that it, they he actually this time what he had done is he took the electric fence, he took the actual handle, and he took it and he shook it, and the handle stood there for a second and then dropped uh, dropped off. And they said he and before they could even get over there to do anything, he was out and running. <laughs> you know, so they couldn't even catch oh, him. But character. yeah, that's he is. He's but I, I like him that way. I mean, you know, it wouldn't uh-huh. be as fun if he wasn't a character. Yes. Well, the Carrie, we hope, that way. we hope for a better year for all of us next year, and including you. And uh, good luck with uh, with your Abby. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks, hoping Carrie. To, hoping for a good year. All right, take all right, care. You guys have a good day. Congratulations you too. again. Okay. Bye, Carrie. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> bye. Well, there you go. See, somebody got some rides in this year. She did. I love when, when she talks like that because at first she wasn't sure about doing the interview and then I said but you're going to get to talk about your horse (laughs) that was it (laughs) that was it (laughs) she is right about Abby so they all have little they have like one little quirk they all have Uh I don't know why that is and you know you combine the Arabs do too Arabs have a lot of quirks though and then you know they sure can I own a hackney pony that is nothing but quirks right there that's just (laughs) so I can speak from experience well, that's it for this uh, endurance episode. We really appreciate you joining us again this month, and uh, we'll be talking more about the season and hopefully a much brighter future in 2021 here in one month. I can't believe that already. Uh, and Karen, thank you so much for continuing to do sure. this with us every year. Uh, and I'm glad you got your gift. Tell everybody what your it, gift yes, was. Thank you. I've got a uh, Horses in the Morning uh, podcast host license plate frame. Yes, you That I'm going to put on my truck. And then I'm just going to. You're official to, now. You're you're, you're going to be official. advertising the fact you're a podcast host after seven or eight years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if, so if you had put that on your truck seven or eight years ago, my truck, people would go, "What's a podcast?" So now they actually going, know, right? Going yeah. for a ride, taking the horses, and going for a ride somewhere. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Karen. Appreciate it. And uh, everybody, will be back tomorrow. Jamie will be here. And, of course, Thursday is Mary Kitzmiller and Jennifer doing a training episode. So you can look for them then. And uh, don't forget to visit thedistancedepot.com for all your HRN embroidered merchandise. You'll find a whole section on there with coats and jackets and, and hats and all different kinds of stuff. Uh, so if you have somebody that's a listener in your life or you just want to buy yourself something, do that. And Renegade Hoof Boots, get them in colors. Order them today. And... Uh, that's it. Karen, Do you ha- where do people go to follow you? Uh, just look up NV Endurance Rider. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. NV, like Nevada Endurance uh-huh. Rider. Thanks, Karen. Mm-hmm. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Glenn. Everybody wear your helmets and be safe.